0: A week ago, it was Christmas Day. And I know because you're a part of the church, you are well aware, and I don't really need to remind you that Christmas is just not a single day on the calendar, it's an entire season. There are 12 wonderful days of Christmas. But, as a pastor, I have to make a confession. I really don't care how many times I count down that holiday song. You know, the one with the drummers drumming, and the ladies dancing, and the swans are swimming, and et cetera, et cetera. Even though I know it's still Christmas, in a way, it feels like Christmas is already over all the radio stations have stopped playing carols. They, play, they start early. All the gifts have been opened and used and put away, and some of them even recycled. The shepherds have uh, been sent back to the attic, to their styrofoam fields to keep watch over their china crush of flock. I've been reading Facebook posts all uh, yesterday from various friends who are talking about undecorating their house. So we may be ready to move on because it feels like Christmas is over. And maybe we're just ready for things to get back to normal. (laughs) I actually suspect that the Holy Family was ready for life to get back to normal as well. You all know the basic story, the one we hear every year at Christmas. There's that awkward pregnancy along with a pre-due date, relocation because of taxation, Then a birth in this blended family, followed by a hosting of a holiday party, which includes shepherds and magi. That's a story we hear in the church every year. But I want to remind you that there are really three different birth stories in the scriptures. One in Luke, which is the one we primarily know about Mary and traveling to Bethlehem because of the taxation and the shepherds. One in John, which is a little more vague, where the word becomes flesh and becomes the light that the darkness can never overcome. And so we get all this imagery of light around Christ. And one in the Gospel of Matthew, which I want to share with you this morning, or the last part of it this morning, and talk a bit about this birth story. It's not as well known. And it really has some significant differences. But we need to be aware of it. The reading for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now, after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, She refused to be consoled because they are no more. And when Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel but when he heard that archelian was ruling over judah in place of his father herod he was afraid to go there after being warned in a dream he went away to the district of galilee there he made his home in a town called nazareth so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Matthew's story about the birth of Jesus focuses more on Joseph than on Mary. Joseph was betrothed to Mary, and she was found to be with child. And per the law of the Jewish community, Joseph was ready to treat Mary even more than fairly, more than what the law required in terms of a divorce. But then he had this dream where the angel comes to him and says, Hey, this is not a problem. The child is the son of God. Marry her. And name the child Jesus. You remember in Luke's story, that's all the instructions that uh, Mary gets to call him Jesus. Here, Joseph gets all those instructions. And so he goes through with it, the words that the angel had told him. And at the birth of Jesus... A star appears and attracts the attention of these wise men, magi, from the East, who start to travel because they know this star has some significance. They travel, no doubt, for many months because they want to find the child whose star they have seen at its rising. And they know they're headed towards Israel. And so it makes sense to stop in Jerusalem, the capital city. Meet with the leaders of the government there to find out where the king of the Jews was to be born. Herod, who was king, didn't have any clue that there had been any births in the family. As a matter of fact, he knew there hadn't been. And so he contacts the Jewish, the religious authorities, the scribes, the Pharisees, to find out about a birth of a king. And he then tells the wise men go to Bethlehem, find the child, and come back and tell me so that I too can go. Bethlehem is only 11 miles from Jerusalem, so it probably was an easy journey in less than a day. The wise men find the child. They worship him. They bring him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which are all symbols of the status of a king and also of his future. And being told in a dream, a lot of dreaming going on here, being told in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men ultimately leave and head back to their country to the east by a different route. That's when our passage picks up. Upon the Magi's departure, life becomes anything but normal for the Holy Family. And they must have been so weary of it not being normal. Unfortunately, they weren't ever going to see normal, whatever that was, again, because this baby had brought a new normal to the world. The Magi depart, Joseph starts having dreams Ultimately, he has three more dreams, to be specific. The first seems to be a good dream because the angel appears with an urgent message. But in reality, the dream was a nightmare. Herod is out to kill the child, and he has the authority and the means to do it. And furthermore, Herod can do it without impunity. That is a dream terrifying enough to make any of us break into a cold sweat, set the heart beating furiously, constrict our breath, and make the whole body quiver with the question, will we escape in time? The Holy Family was not given the luxury of sleeping in heavenly peace for very long. The flutter of angels' wings in Joseph's dream warned them to flee. They've just received these extravagant gifts from exotic visitors. The meaning of his birth, the promise of his life, seem in that bright and shining moment so monumentous, so filled with hope, and now this nightmare. Joseph moves from promise to terror (laughs) with one dream. Once Joseph awakes, there's this frenzy of activity, stuffing together whatever they have, walking down the street, out the gate, onto the main road to get to, to get to Egypt as quickly as possible. Traveling by night, no doubt the child is crying, the mother's exhausted, Joseph's heart clenching in his throat every time he sees a soldier. And they do arrive in Egypt. And you know what? There are Egyptian records that prove that. Because the Egyptians kept really good records of immigration. But the nightmare doesn't end when they get to their place of refuge. It actually grows greater, spreading beyond Joseph and this new family. Pervading... Their former neighborhood, <clears throat> because Herod, in his fit to lo- to get rid of this usurper to the throne, violently kills all the children in Bethlehem and the surrounding area who are age two or younger. Age two is an important timeline to remember here because Herod had asked about the timing of the stars appearance could it have taken two years to come from the East to find this child those wise men traveling so diligently the slaughter of these children is reminiscent Of something that happened in Egypt generations before, where another Joseph had gone for refuge or actually been taken for refuge. And years later, all the males were being killed by the Pharaoh. Don't lose the significance of what Matthew is trying to tell us in this gospel about Old Testament history people of Israel and the life of Jesus. We've traveled really quickly from gold, frankincense and myrrh to homes drenched with the blood of children because a tyrant fears any potential challenge to his power and authority. The intense compression of Matthew's story from the Magi to the slaughter is just 18 verses but it reveals the truth of the human situation shows us to be capable of a passionate desire to search for find adore lavish gifts upon the gift of god with the equal realism it portrays the massive weight of our obstinance to the grace which god offers not only in the human heart, but also in our systems of military and political power that repress our highest and holiest yearnings with brutal violence. Joseph's next two dreams in this passage continue this oscillating pattern between hope and nightmare. The second dream happens again some years later and it's a dream of relief herod has died the tyrant is out of the way the threat is removed at least the immediate threat is removed and the family can head home home Bethlehem home After dealing with a strange language and different food and customs and the ambitious status of being, excuse me, the ambiguous status of being refugees, if not illegal immigrants, they can go home. Home to the food and the local talk and the neighborhood that have become more precious as they remember them from afar. but no sooner do they arrive in israel than the old nightmares return this time joseph does not even have to dream it herod is gone but his son a man who takes his father's takes after his father in cruelty is ruling over judea perhaps because of his experience with herod Joseph is immediately on edge and afraid to stay in Judea. His fears confirmed by a third dream, so that he and the family keep traveling through Judea, north to the province of Galilee. There will be no homecoming after all, no return to their old neighborhood. According to Matthew's Gospel, Jesus starts his childhood as a refugee, fleeing from Judea to Egypt, and then coming home but not staying in Judea, going on to Galilee. Jesus early childhood gives witness to the truth that Matthew will later have Jesus summarize in his own words when he says foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head this toddler Jesus has nowhere to lay his head from the day he is born the holy family is a refugee family There is no normal for them. Many of us set up a manger scene in the weeks leading up to Christmas Day. I even like to place the magi across the room and move them closer, arriving at the manger on Epiphany. I don't know, But then we take them down and store them until the season returns next year. The Holy Family's trials suggest another possibility for us, I think. Perhaps we should put away the shepherds, those folks who show up in Luke's story, because they return to their fields. And we should put away the magi, those folks who show up in Matthew's story, because they return to their distant home. But we should keep Joseph and Mary and Jesus out. Just the three of them, all alone, facing the tears of a brutal despot. No visitors, no permanent shelter, no cuddly-looking sheep, no friendly oxen, And then maybe we should move the Holy Family to various locations in our home, denoting their extended sojourn over these early years, perhaps to a window looking out on the larger world, the world where there is really no such thing as normal, (coughs) there's the anxious malaise that lingers around economic insecurity. Some of it's really personal. The neighbor who was going to retire but now can't afford to do that. The friend who was let go when the company downsized after COVID. The family down the street who lost their unemployment benefits. There's still violence and repression and terror. The young high school student from Ukraine who isn't certain where she'll go next. And there are refugees fleeing, needing protection, human beings crying out for protection. In this gospel, Matthew dares to see things as they are and still affirm that God is working even in the worst that we can do. We as the church need to declare the real joy of Christmas, which is nothing can defeat God's promise of Emmanuel, God with us. Nothing can overcome the promises of God to work for peace and equality and harmony. Even in the midst of what seems so normal, we need to declare that it's all upended. So on this eighth day of Christmas, my friends, we are reminded that even God's presence with us does not bring immediate change from the darkness of the world. But Jesus, who knows the effects of that darkness all too well, calls us to cling to the light that light which can never be overcome by the darkness and to walk in the light of the Lord so that all might come to know the love, the grace, and the care of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.